Today here on Good Deeds Media Network, we have a world changer, Bishop T.D. Jake. He's a leader. He's a visionary. He's a provocative thinker. He's an entrepreneur who serves as a senior pastor of the Potter's House, a global humanitarian organization, and 30,000-member church located in Dallas, Texas. Bishop T.D. Jake's mission is carried out through four distinct channels, global humanitarian outreach, inspirational conference series, media and entertainment ventures, and thought leadership forums. We want to welcome, welcome none other than Bishop T.D. Jakes. Are you there? I am here, and thank you so much for having me, Dr. Sunday. It's a real pleasure. Yes, sir. Now, we have a lot to talk about in a short period of time. We're going to touch on purpose, family, church, of course, and business. But, Bishop Jakes, your amazing, phenomenal new book, Soar, is different from the other books you pen. Tell us about what inspired you to write this book. Yeah, it is very different, and I was a little bit intimidated, and I, but I overcame my fear because most of the time people know you in one uh, microcosm of who you are, and they say you're a preacher, and they put you in a file cabinet and and shut the door. And I am a very proudly, very proudly, and, and glad to be called to the ministry. But I've also been a lifelong entrepreneur, owned my own businesses, produced films, partnered with Sony Pictures and Television, produced my own products, and dabbled in real estate. And as I looked around, I saw that some of the problems happening in our community were not in regards to faith, but they were in regards to works. People don't have jobs. They don't have opportunities. They're not reaching the, the goals or sending their kids to the college of their choice. And I wrote sword to unmask the other part of who I am and to share that with people and to give them tips and tools as to how they can enhance their skills, go into entrepreneurship and reach their dreams. I had no idea how it was going to go. <laughs> I was afraid. And, uh, I mean, I have never had a book to be on the Times list as long. I mean, 13 weeks straight it was on the New York Times bestsellers business list. And I was amazed that people really did uh, allow me to really speak to that part of their lives, and it continues to be a book that's flying off the shelf as fast as they can print it. Yes, yes, sir. Now, also in your book, you talk about, and this is a touchy subject, <laughs> working with families, should we do it or should we not? So talk to us a little bit about that. You know, it's it's a, it's a difficult task. Every family is different. You have to evaluate your family. There are pros and cons. A lot of times when you start dealing with family, if you have problems in one arena, it bleeds over into the other. So if you get in a situation where you have to downsize, have to lay off, have to let them go, uh, Thanksgiving dinner's not going to be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you have to think about all that before you get in. On the other hand, if you can find a family member who gets it, who skills that matches up with yours, who is really an asset and a loyalist and committed to you, then there's a trust and a bond that you could not buy, and it becomes absolutely priceless. But you have to really, it really comes down to the character of the people and the competence of the people. Don't allow people to push you into hiring them because they're your cousin and they need a job. If they can't do the job, if they're not an asset, uh, you might want, not want to do it. And the other thing is, if you ever have a problem with them, you have to look ahead and see what that's going to be like. How do you? It's not how do you get in. It's how do you get out. <laughs> yeah, that's very important. Uh, Bishop, you know, all of us have a vision, but we, when we come to talk about the revenue, the money, how should 
should we, I mean, what's next? Because, you know, we have the vision, but sometimes the money is not there all the time. So what if it doesn't work out because we don't have the money? Well, first of all, uh, one of the reasons I wrote the book is that African-American women and minority women in particular are going into business more readily than any other people group. Uh, But they're also going out of business, and two reasons they're going out of business is the lack of access to capital and the lack of strategy for sustainable business. And I wrote the book to share some tips and tools that would help people uh, to have longevity. If you don't have a lot of money, you have to build according to scale, you might not be able to do it in the opulent way that you wanted to do or on the scale that you wanted to do it. You may have to do it while you're working a full-time job and start out as a hobby. It's okay to grow the business. It's not just about starting it. It can grow embryonic stage, very, very, very small. You know, once a quarter, once every, twice a month, start with what you have and then put the profits back into the business and build the business until it gets up on its feet. Once you have a history, you have marketability, so you can attract financiers, but you're not going to be able to attract financiers around an idea that you have no empirical data to justify. Most people who have money are going to want to look at what you have done first before they put their money behind your next step effort, and a lot of people don't know that, so they spend five years pitching a deal that's just an idea. Well, in a world of ideas, yours is one amongst millions, but if you have a track record set, I'm doing this on the weekends or I'm doing this on a very small scale and it's been profitable on this level. If I had this amount of capital, I could take it to that level. Then people start to listen and respect your process uh, more uh, than they would otherwise. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, you spoke briefly about fear. Listen, what do we do with our emotions? The fear somewhat stops us from starting, but then when we're trying to complete a task or a project, the fear just comes there. What should we do about it? You know something, everybody gets afraid, you know, but that doesn't mean that you let fear drive the car. It may be a passenger, but it can't have the wheel. Uh, Business is a sober business. You cannot do it from a perspective of emotions, whether it's fear or whether it's excitement over success. Either one of them can be dangerous if they get the wheel. You had a good month, and all of a sudden you go out there and you lease three more locations. Wait a minute, slow down. This is not an emotion. This is a strategy. It is a strategy, a rollout strategy, that people who are strategic are far more successful than people who go into business and are emotional. So whether that emotion is fear or exuberance, you don't want either one to drive your next move. You want your strategy. You want to measure your strategy, how far I expect to be in a year, how far I expect to be in five years. Was this a trend that I had in March of last year? Just to see, is this something I should expect for next March? The more you can really do it mathematically and strategically, the more effective you are at doing it. I talk about that in the book, Soar, and incidentally, my international pastors and leadership conference is coming up in April. What's new about it is that I've added a, a component for entrepreneurs, and it's going to be very, very powerful. I've got great speakers coming in. We're teaching on everything from marketing to social media to getting the courage to launch your business, getting the power, and galvanizing the resources to take your business to the next level. So if you're interested in business, you might consider a conference that you normally wouldn't consider. Yes, it will be pastors. Yes, 
yes, it will be about leadership, but it will also be about entrepreneurship as well. And so it's April 17th through the 21st. They can go to pastorsandleaders.org and find out more information about that. It's my attempt to continue the conversation with SOAR. I don't want to start it in a book and then get people out there and just leave them hanging. I want to continue to mentor and develop so that this coming generation can really get rooted and grounded into the possibilities of what we want the future to look like. Yeah, we totally agree. And, Bishop, also in the book you speak about building a team. Uh, please help us with this because we always want to say I, 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 and we forget that the word team doesn't have an I in it. You know, I'm a great team builder. My leadership style is team building. I've done everything that I do because of team building. Uh, we've done over $500 million grossing at the box office in film and television, and I've done it with a staff of 12. So you know 12 people couldn't do it if we didn't develop teams outside. We have partnerships outside. We keep our overhead down. We keep our payroll down, and we do our business through partnerships because when you're doing a film, you need people. When you're not doing a film, you don't. And so that on-again, off-again type of business requires that you build through partnership. Regardless of what kind of business that you're in, you are no greater than the team you have around you. If you went to see Black Panther, one of the great lines in Black Panther is when the father died and he told the incoming, the oncoming prince who was about to be king, he says, you're a good man, and it's hard for a good man to be king. And the next line, he says, surround yourself with great people. And I almost leaped up out of my seat because I cannot give any better advice than to say surround yourself with great people, not friends, not people you like, not people you want to hang with, but people who soar on the level and think on the level of your dreams. Yes, sir. Now, as ministers of the gospel, many leaders, are, you know, are gifted, and they love God, but we do not expand our gifts to the marketplace. What is the key to mastering and balancing them both? Well, first of all, all leaders have blind sides. None of us are good at everything. You know, some people can speak well, other people write well. Some people can speak and write well, but they don't sing well. Some people can sing well, but they don't market well. They don't manage well. This is what you want to do, leaders. You want to hire your weaknesses. And by that I mean you want to surround yourself with people who are good at what you are not good at. I'm not trying to make you become something that you're not. I'm not trying to make you be good at something that you're not good at. But I'm saying just because you're not good at it doesn't mean that you should cripple your vision penalize the growth of your organization because you you have a deficiency. Everybody has a deficiency. Hire people who who fill in the blanks on the area where, where you're deficient and I'll empower them to function so that you can have a holistic presentation. It's very, very important. What I brought to the ministry was who I am. My father was an entrepreneur. His mother was an entrepreneur. Her father was an entrepreneur. And so I brought that part of myself along with me. I certainly didn't turn my church into a business. I had my own business and my own for-profit business. But it has helped my church that I was a businessman, whether I was negotiating for uh, low-income housing, whether I was negotiating to build a K-12 school, whether I was negotiating to send rice into Kenya, whether I was negotiating for the hospitals we adopted uh, in Nairobi, that ability to have a business acumen is a huge asset, whether you are not-for-profit or for-profit organization. 
Yes, yes. Bishop J, we are truly enjoying ourselves, you sharing so much wisdom and knowledge. But in regards of being a natural and a spiritual father, what does that mean to you? You know what I have learned about? <laughs> I raised five <laughs> children, and they're all grown now, and they're all I'm wonderful, and I'm proud of them. They're human, they're flawed, but I'm very proud of them in the sense that they've overcome their obstacles, and many of them have become very productive. And what I learned, it is not what you give to your children that makes them great. It's what not not what you give to them. It is what you put in them. And putting the kinds of quality character in them, uh, work ethics, uh, resilience is very important. Second thing I learned, it doesn't matter what you say to them. You can talk to your blue in the face. The children are going to become what you model in front of them. They're going to ultimately, I know they kick against it. I know they say you're old fuddy-duddy. I know they think you're crazy, but they actually are watching you. And they will become what you demonstrate in front of them, whether you're an abusive husband, whether you're a good husband, whether you have a strong work ethic, whether you're communicative or not. They will ultimately be shaped by your own behavior. And it's very, very important that fathers understand that your presence is very important. Without it, not just for your sons, it's obvious that your sons need a model where they're going, but also for your daughters, because the first taste of masculinity most women have come from their fathers. So if he was absent, if he was abusive, if he abandoned them, then it sets a precedence of their expectation and their attraction, and they keep trying to resolve the problem with the dad, with all the boyfriends and so forth on down the line. Men, let's take our rightful place, lead our families, do the job and do it well, it will come back and bless you a thousand times over. Yes, sir. Now, as we close, Bishop Jace, if you could talk to your younger self right now, what advice would you give? <laughs> uh, I would tell myself not to be, not to spend so many nights worried about things that, that were not worthy of my worry. Uh, I would tell myself to enjoy the process and to trust the process and not to be so fearful while I was building. I was building. I was growing. I was developing. But in the back of my mind, because I'd never done it before, you're scared every day. You know, mm -hmm. am, am I going to be able to do this? Is it going to work? So sometimes you can win and not enjoy winning because you have such anxiety. I think had I dismissed more anxiety, that would be one thing. The second thing I would tell myself is, is uh, to shoot higher, shoot higher. Uh, sometimes I was cautious to a fault, and it doesn't look like I was cautious. It looks like I was radical, but I could have done more. I could have gone further had I have been had I not allowed my caution to intimidate my vision. And so in retrospect, uh, I realized that it's really up to us how far we go and how deep we go, and a lot of it is hindered because of our own inhibitions and insecurities. And you have to understand, I was uh, 22 when I started pastoring. Uh, I was on national television. I was just 30 years old. When I came to Dallas, I was 38. And so I was a very young man, and that feel, and I think that's why I love young people today, because my <laughs> heart goes out to them. I know how tough it is to be trying to do and build your dream and then wrestle with your own fears, uh, and I want to encourage them. Wow. Well, Bishop T.D. Jake, any last-minute words for our audience, and please tell us how we can contact you and get your life-changing products. 
Well, you know, I'm I'm on every social media forum known to man. I'm I'm really there. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Bishop Jakes to get me on tweets. Uh, you, if you're interested in pastors and leaders, you can go to pastorsandleaders.org. But I do want to say, give a shout out uh, to your listening audience. I'm just in the early stages of planning this. I haven't said a whole lot about it, but I'm planning something I've never done before. In October, I'm going to do a woman that are master class and I'm doing a master class for people women of faith and women who are trying to build businesses or ministries or pastorate or women who are opening up companies I'm going to do a master class for people who want to master their vision it's going to be not going to be huge I'm not going for the stadium numbers it's going to be limited seating and they can go to womanartwtal.org and get more information about it and there will be more and more information coming out this is very very new uh, you're one of the few people that I've even mentioned it to, but it's coming in October, and it's going to be amazing. Wow. Well, Bishop T.D. Jason, thank you so much, first, for being in your purpose, because you and your purpose, you're helping others to walk in their purpose as well. But I also thank you for be- taking time out of your busy schedule to be a guest with us here on Good Deeds. God bless you, and thank you for having me. Take care. <laughs> 